Hey, everybody, and welcome into Lockdown Bama. I'm Luke Robinson. He's Jimmy Stein, and I don't know what he's doing in the background, but it's something. Water cooler. You are the water cooler in this person. For a guy who didn't know that what a water cooler did or was, you have really fallen into the water cooler trap, haven't you? Well, I keep going there hoping someone will be discussing the latest TV shows and movies. And, oh, you know, because I thought that was what water cooler talk was. But every time I walk in the water cooler room, I'm the only one in there. So I'm just pouring myself some water. No, I, I like it. I like the way you think. Um, so, Jimmy, a couple of things today just to knock out. I want to talk about some Tennessee memories today. But I think, first of all, we can talk about the fact that a lot of midseason. This is where we are in sports journalism, by the way. There are now midseason All-American so dumb. And it used to it's it so used dumb. to be like one or two uh, pu- publications would put these out now, like twenty four seven SI, um, USA Today. Uh, everybody's got them. AP actually has one. And what I found startling, uh, startling maybe a bit heavy handed. I found it surprising that Joe Burrow yep. is practically unanimously the quarterback for the first team. A- and really, I haven't seen a place that had two uh, number one. And I just, you know, I, I guess I get it. I, but it it's frightening to me because Joe Burrow may really wrestle away this Heisman from Tua. And I guess when the two play each other in Tuscaloosa is going to be the deciding factor. Now, Jalen Hurts will have something to say about it, obviously. Uh, Justin Fields could, as well as Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin. But it seems like it's a Tua Joe Burrow thing, and I guess they're the only two of that bunch that play each other, right? Well, Jonathan Taylor and Justin Fields do. Jonathan Taylor and Justin Fields, although it's not really apples and apples. I, I worry, right. I worry, and I say worry because I think we know exactly what's happening here. Tua is being evaluated against himself. We've seen this Tua show. We saw it all last year. Joe Burrow's new. He's the new shiny toy. He's the fun story because it's brand new in terms of in terms of his production. Um, what I would say, and I don't mean this as a knock against the kid. I think us knocking Joe Burrow before we play LSU is really dangerous. <laughs> but uh, one thing I would say is, is, you know, Burrow played last year. We saw Tua last year. He was awesome. We saw Burrow play last year. He was average. And while last year shouldn't have too much of a bearing or maybe no bearing at all on this year's Heisman, I mean, don't be fooled. I think we're being fooled a little bit by Joe Burrow and the change in offense and what they're doing over there, Tua is being graded against himself. When Tua is awesome, everyone shrugs their shoulders and goes, well, yeah, Tua is awesome. We knew that. I think people are almost bored with the idea of Tua because seen that, been there, know that kid. What's Tua going to have to do to impress anybody? My God. I mean, what's he literally going to have to do? On the other hand, Burrow's the new name, the shiny toy, and I think that's what's happening here. Well, not only that, um, you've got folks like Joey Galloway pushing the narrative that, well, two is just throwing slant passes or or essential bubble screens, and the receivers are doing all the work, not neglecting to recognize that the, he throws a perfect slant pass. I mean, yeah. if you don't throw the perfect pass, it doesn't go for a touchdown. Yeah, if it's so damn it. easy, why doesn't everybody do it? Yeah. If it's so easy, why doesn't everybody do it? And uh, that's it's insane. Yeah, I used to read years ago when I was in high school or college or whatever, a knock on or, or, or you know, there's a knock on Shaq that all they could do was dunk. 
he was averaging like 38 points a game. What the hell does it matter how he does it? <laughs> I mean, why, why are we like, oh, it, like it doesn't count because it's all dunks? No, it's points. It's, it's He scored more points than anybody else. It doesn't matter that it's all dunks. Tua, it doesn't matter that it's all slants or perfectly thrown balls. And if it's just so easy to do, how come everybody doesn't do it? We're not the only team that has a fleet of good receivers. Heck, so does LSU. I can name others, too. Oklahoma's got some good receivers. It ain't just C.D. Lamb. No, and in fact, if you're going to knock Tua for receivers doing all the work, you have to at least dock Jalen something because yeah. C.D. Lamb, and I guess you ought to have to also have to dock the Texas defensive backs because they couldn't tackle Mama and them the other day. <laughs> and why don't you just say, well, I'm not so sure how Jonathan Taylor is. I mean, look at that offensive line he's running behind. Yeah, that's true. Wisconsin's <laughs> offensive line is unbelievable. They're great every year. It's a, it's one of the most consistent, great units in, in the sport. But I'm not knocking Jonathan Taylor because their offensive line is good. Why are you knocking Tua? Because Alabama's receivers are good. He's got to throw the ball on time in the right place. And those slants, one of the reasons the slants work so well is Tua hits them right in the numbers. And that's right. when you throw it behind them or high or low or lead them too much, I mean, he's sitting them in the numbers. That's why they run for so many yards after the catch. They don't have to break stride. That's absolutely correct. Um, all right, so Jimmy, this being the midweek podcast, let's talk a little bit about Tennessee memories. And I, I went back and looked at a few things, and I, I, I counted. I'm not 100% sure about this. I've, I've got some great memories for Tennessee games. I've been to some classics uh, and, and some very memorable games. But uh, I think I've been to 19 Alabama-Tennessee games. Um yeah, with and so that's probably the game I've been to the most, the, the rivalry I've been to the most when it comes to Alabama, even over maybe even over Auburn. Auburn's probably right there close because it's so close to me that Auburn University is. But uh, man, you're getting more water, aren't you? <laughs> I am. Um, Spicy lunch so, today. But I'll tell you, I was thinking about okay, which one really stands out to me? And considering I'm only 46 years old, being to, going to about 19 of them is a lot of Tennessee games. But um, so I, I went to the one in 88, and that one won't stand out to a lot of people. But uh, the interesting thing about that game was, number one, Tennessee wore all orange that day, which was interesting to me. Um, and it was my first trip to Tuscaloosa, I mean, to, to Knoxville. And um, we went up there in a rather beat up, like my dad and some other dads, <laughs> bought a, a, a beat up limousine and it was a limousine that had like rolled manual roll down windows. I mean, that's, you know, so really it was only a limousine in name. It wasn't really a limousine, but we all went up there. Like the two families went up there in this limousine and we went to the game. And after the game, we went to uh what is the barbecue place? The rib joint Ray something Ray's Johnny Ray's. Is it just not Johnny Ray's is something it's not Johnny Ray's. Ray's. No, Johnny Ray's is a place in Birmingham. It's something else. Ray's. Ah, that's Bubba Ray's or Billy Ray's or whoever. So we went to that place and we were out there and uh, maybe, maybe the parents that were there had some libations. And Good. one of the kids that was with me, uh, she opened her limousine door. And when she did, she hit a car next to her that looked like, I mean, it was really an ugly car, but she hit it back. So you know how you open a door sometimes and you hit the other car and the, and the guy happened to be there with his wife. And he said, I mean, she said, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I mean, she was like 14 or 15 at the time. 
And he, she said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And he said, just get in the car, you old skank. You don't even you, you, you don't even know what you're doing. Just get in the car, you know, moron. Oh. And like had her crying. Well, my dad, oh. who was directing traffic, like trying to get this gargantuan beat up limousine <laughs> out of the parking spot, like by stopping traffic on whatever highway was right there. Um, he heard that and he comes over and says, sir, what's your problem? And the guy said, that, you know, he called her the, the, the name women don't like to be called. And he, he said, she hit my car. And dad said, well, have you seen your car? She might've done it some damn good. That's the, the only thing uglier than your car is your wife. And, and, and the guy said, well, you just don't, you don't need to talk to me like that. And, and dad reared back like to punch him in the face. But luckily the other dad was there to catch his arm. And so he didn't hit him, but it was just, you know, I'll just never forget that because I bet. the girl, the girl who it was the, the other guy's daughter. And like, every time I see her now, she's always like, you remember that time <laughs> your dad came, came over there and about killed that guy. Cause he, he said, <laughs> but anyway, um, so funny Murray, to you though, that's, that's a tennis, that's a Tennessee memory. That is uh, Murray Hill was the story of that game. He had a big day. Um, and then the next year, of course, what was interesting about 88, though, was in 88, Tennessee had not won a game, right? They hadn't won a game. They were awful, and everybody was they just were. down on them. And Alabama beat them, and then they went on a, a winning streak. They didn't lose again until Alabama beat them in 89 and the Saran Stacy Explodes game. When Saran Stacy Reggie Explodes. Cobb, remember that well. Reggie Cobb was, uh, was suspended. And they had Chuck Webb. And what are the odds that you have a backfield named Cobb and Webb? I mean, that's bizarre. Um, <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I mean, I remember it really well. The late, the late uh, uh, Reggie Cobb. He died. Yeah, within the past yeah. year. Mm-hmm. But so, so which game is the most memorable to you? And I wrote some down. Obviously, you could talk about eighty nine. So it's so funny that you went eighty eight, eighty nine uh, because. <laughs> <laughs> Continuing the theme, uh, you know, 1990, you know, uh, Gene Stallings' first year, the the Philip Doyle field goal uh, to beat Tennessee nine to six uh, when Alabama didn't have a good start to the season. Tennessee did. I think they were either ranked number one or certainly something in the top five. They were number three. They were number three. Considered a strong national championship contender. Alabama had started that season 0 and 3 that morning on game day. Uh, and this was game day before they started going to the sites. This was game day in the studio. Yep. Lee Corso said that that morning that Alabama had as much chance to win that game as a high school team. And uh, somehow, some way, uh, behind an incredible defensive performance, Alabama wins the game and Doyle wins on a last-second kick. That was my junior year at Alabama. And I watched that game in my apartment. The game was up in Knoxville. I watched the game in my apartment with a bunch of my – college uh, friends guys and girls and and gosh when philip dole made that field goal it, it, it was just hysteria in the living room of my college apartment and and you could and and the, and the door was open and i remember specifically all the other apartments everybody going nuts i mean you could hear all over the grounds of the apartments everybody ran outside and was whooping and hollering just the noise it was crazy i, I never seen anything like it really but that's probably my favorite tennessee memory although 
you know, I wasn't one of the great Alabama teams of all time, but it was one of the great Alabama wins. Uh, other than that, I mean, this streak is what I'll remember forever. I mean, we're about to make it, just go ahead and write it down, 13 in a row. And when you say you win 13 games in a row, Luke, football is such a weird thing. You know, a baseball team might win 13 games in a row against, you know, a particular team or, or just literally win 13 games in a row, or maybe your basketball team starts out 0-2, and, and then the next thing you know, you're 13-2. and two. Think of this. Alabama's beaten Tennessee, thir- will have beaten them 13 in a row. That means 13 years. You only play once a year. So 13 years. I mean, our winning streak against Tennessee is now like in the eighth grade or seventh grade. It's, uh, you know, the iPhone wasn't around. You see that list go around every year where, you know, the iPhone wasn't around. Twitter wasn't invented, all these other things. But going back to that 90 game just for a minute, I remember it well because Dale Carter was back to receive the opening kickoff. Yes. We kicked off and he fumbled the opening kickoff. And I remember like it was yesterday. I can see it right now that he when he goes back for the kickoff, his head, he's doing like the head bob. And he's yeah. just up and down, up and down. And I was thinking, man, he just seems so cocky. And we go down there and he fumbles the kickoff. And, of course, um, I think we missed a field goal or had it blocked or something. I think it – I don't think we converted on that one. Um, but, you know, uh, Stacy Harrison is the one who breaks yeah. through the line. And I remember Mike Godfrey, who was on the call with uh, Ron Franklin, Godfrey said – you know, they, you know, he talked about how everybody had changed the, the blocking schemes for kicks to go right up the middle now. And that's what Stacey Harrison did. And, um, God, that game was such a defensive slugfest. I mean, it, that was not the nine to six game, uh, the, the game remember. of the century before the game of the century. I can remember you Cecil know? Hurt's column the next day. I mean, I, I remember Cecil's column. And by the way, this was so long ago, 89, I think, was the first season that Cecil began writing columns. I mean, he had been a reporter for the Tuscaloosa News, and I think 89 was the first season that Cecil was the the column writer. Uh, and, and I remember him saying in his column that when Stacey Harrison blocked that kick, that that thankfully when he blocked the kick, the, the ball rolled like 30 yards it did. back into Tennessee territory, and that was ground that the Alabama offense never would have made. I mean, if it wasn't for not just blocking the <laughs> kick, but we never would have. We wouldn't have moved the ball 30 yards. We hadn't moved it 30 yards all day. There's no chance. And Kevin Turner had a big game that day, though. And he had shoulder pads that would make Sean Alexander blush. I I mean, they wore big pads. He had the biggest shoulder. Oh, my God. And even. Lamont Russell. Lamont Russell Russell had some big ones. Yeah, he's crazy. Uh, But going back even a little bit further, I was at the uh, Pierre Goud game when he had the 90-yard touchdown from Jeff Dunn. Um, 87, I think. It was 86 or 87. It was 87, yeah, Yeah, because 86, we beat them up there, um, and I think we beat them something like 56 to 28. Ray Perkins just laid it on them. But going back to that 90 game even for a second, you know, we played so well, and we get that big win, and we come home for homecoming and play Penn State and lose nine to nothing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You remember that? Um, we, didn't, we didn't have great consistent quarterback play in those days. Yeah. Those those games you're talking about, I think, were quarterback primarily by Jeff Dunn. No, no, no. The, the ninety, the ninety, the ninety game, was uh, Gary Hollingsworth. Gary Hollingsworth, who, I mean, for all the great things Stallings did by by turning the program around, 
he he put Gary Hollingsworth in a bird cage. I mean, there was no chance he was going to be a successful quarterback in a stalling well, just, system. Just, you know what just occurred to me, Luke? It's the Gary Hollingsworth is the backwards Joe Burrow story. Oh, in eighty nine. Yeah. In eighty nine, we had a spread. I mean, literally, they they didn't call it a spread back then, but that's what it was. I mean, yeah. eighty nine, we invented this little dink and dunk spread offense around what Gary could do. Homer Smith did that. And Gary was SEC player of the year. Stallings comes in and in his stubborn way says, no, 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 this is where we're going to run an NFL offense. And and we're just doing it NFL style, even though we didn't have the personnel for it or the quarterback to do it. And Gary in that NFL offense looked inept, frankly, and and, and was inept all season. But it's, it's the opposite of Burrow. Burrow was in the NFL system last year, looked bad. Now it's gone to the spread, looks unstoppable. And, uh, yeah, he, he's just done the Gary Hollingsworth in reverse. Um, all right, so which game is most memorable to you? Pierre Goode, 87, the Mount Cody block, obviously, in uh, 09, the Philip Doyle kick in 90, Saran Stacy explodes in 89, Bookgate game in 07, when right before okay. kickoff, everybody figures out we have four key players suspended, and yet we still just lay one still on Tennessee. Uh, Cooper – and on the first play in 2014, yeah. when yeah. he just takes a swing pass and outruns everybody. I mean, he was that so beautifully game. graceful. Um, or Julio's big day in, uh, I guess that was 2010. He See, had like a back huge then, day. We were always having a wide receiver just go off back then. Julio had a monster yeah. day. B.J. Hall had several monster games against Tennessee, even though some of them were losses. <laughs> but it seems like we had a receiver that would just rack up, and that, that's going to happen again. Saturday is just pick your poison as to which one will be. Obviously, it won't be Devontae Smith who won't play in the first half, but I, I would say it's Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs' turn to go off uh, this Saturday. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pick Waddle, honestly. I think I think it's Waddle's turn again. But that's funny you say that. I ju- it just occurred to me that you're right. It, when it comes to Alabama-Tennessee games, it's always as if it's a receiver for mm-hmm. Alabama that is doing the ass kicking. I mean, even Saran Stacy explodes. He that was a shuffle pass. And mm-hmm. so that that was a reception. Then, you know, Pierre Goods catch uh before uh b- before Devontae Smith's big game against Ole Miss this year, Julio's record was set against Tennessee in 2010 for the single game most yards in a game or and I guess even before was it Julio that still had the record or did Amari break it? Let me see here. I, can I think Amari up. probably broke it. Oh, I came up with another memorable Tennessee game in our and and how about the 93 tie with David Palmer oh. putting the team Who on. Who was a receiver. Who was a receiver. And uh he made the uh the two-point play at the end to tie the game. And and it literally, gosh, I hate ties. I was so happy to see overtime and and ties eliminated from college football, but that was the only tie where Alabama walked out of the stadium as if they won and Tennessee oh, walked out of the stadium as if they lost. <laughs> I mean, he's cheater that day. I was there for that game too. That was um, the tie that was not a tie. Uh, yeah, Amari Cooper in 2014 actually had 224 yards twice against Auburn and Tennessee. Julio had the record at 221 against Tennessee in 2010. That's why I was thinking that. I forgot Amari broke that record twice, and one of them being against Tennessee. Um, but which of those games do you think is the most memorable For to me, you? 1990. Uh, 1990. Yeah. I, I, that's what I remember. And you know what? I mean, I read this. I, I didn't invent this, this, uh, this, this saying or the, this thought. 
uh, but it's so true. I heard at one time that regardless of the success your, your program has in later years, uh, the, the games and, and the memories that will always that will always really capture you the most is, is when you were there or when you were there as a student. I mean, that's what you that's what you sort of cherish most. And I guess that's why, even though that ultimately was a seven and five Alabama football team. Uh, I would say the 1990 uh, win is is my favorite because of uh, Alabama turning the season around. Huge upset. I mean, just a huge upset. Uh, the way that Alabama won the game with the field goal. And, uh, yeah, I even had a class that semester with Philip Doyle. Uh, it was a oh, lab wow. class. And, uh, he, and, and, and me and him kind of shared this, uh, this table, you know, at the lab every night and he came he came in monday if you remember uh he had a busted lip because they actually roughed they yeah, actually they uh roughed it roughed him and uh he had a busted lip and i think he might have happened on a kick cover remember philip doyle would make tackles on kick covers so when they interviewed him at the end of the game he had that busted lip and i think it was from a, earlier in the game he had made a tackle on a kickoff but anyway doyle uh came to that chemistry it wasn't chemistry it was astronomy lab if i remember right but he came in and he had that busted lip and it was it was still busted up i'm like man i bet you don't even feel that even two days later and he's oh, like yeah. no 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 yeah. i mean that was that and, and i remember mike godfrey saying i see a flag or is that roughing the kicker and then you see philip doyle doing the hand, finger guns um, he did. <laughs> finger pistols to the Tennessee bench, and it was just beautiful, man. It was Doyle just, was good that, making those. He was a great athlete. He was just he's a kicker. He was a great athlete. You don't see that all the time, but Doyle was really good making tackles. Okay, he liked it. He would kick the oh, ball. He loved off it. He was he was aggressive. He was also Stallings really. That's probably a good one Stallings player. would say. Stallings would say, I, "I want you on any team I ever have." You know, any team, I'll take you anywhere because Stallings loves a, a guy like that. Kicker, starting kicker, making tackles on the kickoff. So he also was a starting third baseman on the baseball team and was good. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, man, that's that's a good athlete right there. Um, I didn't know this, but it, I guess it makes sense. Since 2008, you know, we beat him in 07. We weren't ranked. But since 2008, Alabama has been ranked no lower than eighth when we played Tennessee. <laughs> I mean, and we've only been ranked eighth twice, and every other time is either like one, two, or three. Amazing. How frustrating Amazing. does that have to be for them? Well, I mean, and by the way, it's not a coincidence. I'll explain why in a second, but, you know, it's got to be, you know, if, if, during the worst stretch of Tennessee football, their rival Alabama's having their best stretch of football. Yeah. It's just a double kick to the groin for them. <laughs> but, you know, one one of the things here is, and it's just a fact, when – in the 90s, when Tennessee was really good under Fulmer and even won a national title, I think it's fair to say you can compare those Tennessee recruiting classes in the mid and late 90s to what Saban is doing now and what Saban has, has done. So the fact of the matter is it really is all about recruiting. There's just a certain pool of players who are really, really good. And during the late 90s, these guys were signing with Tennessee. Now they all sign with Alabama. I mean, it re it really is that simple. Yeah, that's right. Um, and lastly, Jimmy, before we uh, we hang this podcast up, is this is this rivalry even still a rivalry to you? It is to me, but is it? Yeah. Do you think it is? It is. To I think people. Else? I don't define the rivalry by that the teams have to be have to swap wins. I mean, 
I, 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 hey, you know, when uh, one of my favorite high school rivalries is a little bit up in the country from Mobile called uh, in, in Tiny Bruton. There's two schools in Bruton, Alabama, T.R. Miller and W.S. Neal. Oh, yeah. And, and what's what separates Bruton from what from East Bruton to West Bruton is a creek called coolest, coolest creek ever called Murder Creek. That's right. And when W.S. Neal plays T.R. Miller, it's the Battle of Murder Creek. And that's that's cool. OK, so I look forward to reading about obviously I don't make the trek up to Bruton often, but I look forward to reading. about it. It's the coolest rivalry. And, and I say that because I can't tell you who won the last 10 or the last three or the last 20. And I don't care. That's a cool game. And, and it is a rivalry. I have no idea who wins most of the time and I don't care. But when two teams from the same town play each other in the Battle of Murder Creek, that's a great rivalry. And that's what Alabama, Tennessee is. No, we don't share a town or share a river or a creek, but it's Alabama and Tennessee. It's one of the great traditions in college football. Heck, yeah, it's a rivalry. I'll call it a rivalry if Alabama wins 35 in a row. I'm right there with you. I just, it doesn't, I, I'm going to also call a spade a spade and say it doesn't mean as much as the Auburn game to me. But um, Agreed. I, I really, really do enjoy this game. And I, I've enjoyed it a lot more lately. Like even when we were losing every year to them on, on our little streak, yeah. I, I wasn't quite as upset as losing six in a row to Auburn. Uh, that's, that's just the they truth. They got to feel like I did. Well, the last Tennessee story, 99, a year that Alabama actually won the SEC, but it was a year after. Tennessee had won the national title, and, 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 and they were still going really, really strong. And uh, I, I rarely walk down the fence, but I walked down the fence. Bryant-Denny, uh, when Tennessee ran onto the field and, uh, and literally was just five or six feet away when they were running out of the tunnel, and they were monsters. I, I, I literally – I'll never forget that feeling of watching Tennessee run out of the tunnel, and that's all I'm watching and going – we have absolutely no chance to win this game. <laughs> and that was an Alabama team that won the SEC. But I'm looking at Tennessee and I'm, talking, I'm like, oh, my God, they're, they're grown-ass men. Those are professional oh, yeah. football players. Those are professional <laughs> football players. We're, we're, we're just little college kids over there in the Crimson. They're going to stomp our ass. And they did. And somehow we won the SEC because they somehow lost a couple of games. I can't figure that out. But I'm just saying uh, that that's got to be – the same feeling that Tennessee fans have now when, when they're at the stadium or on their TVs and watch Alabama or on the field. And they're like, those Alabama guys are monsters. I mean, yeah. Raekwon Davis, he's John Henderson. You know what I mean? I mean, oh, yeah. you just, and, and, and uh, I think they get, they go, we, we have no chance to physically compete with these guys. And they're right. They don't. <laughs> Not yet. No, not unless they get some of that deer antler spray. <laughs> that precious, precious deer antler spray. Um, I'll need it in bulk. All right. <laughs> all right, Jimmy, that's going to do it for this episode. Listen, here's what we're going to do next time. Next episode, we're going to do go ahead and do our predictions because I think for Friday's episode is when we're going to do the crossover podcast with Locked On Vols. So um, we'll knock out the predictions next. Roll tide. Roll tide, everybody. <laughs>